this morning we begin with Dave Ramsey. You're probably familiar with Dave Ramsey. Uh, we, um, I, I don't know, when I was driving across the country, he's a radio host. Uh, he has a whole program. It's more than radio, but he has a whole program of managing your money and so forth. Uh, so you're probably familiar with him. If you're not, th then just know that he's this radio host and he has a particular agenda. Uh, that's a good one. It's a good one. Um, he's so popular that when I was driving across the country with Luke a couple weeks ago, when I was driving across the country, I would come into a certain area, let's say like Nebraska, and he would be on three stations at the same time. And I kept, I mean, I ran into him on the radio more than anyone else on the radio, I mean, consistently. And I'm sure there might have been some others, but I kept, his voice has a very unique voice. And I kept hearing Dave Ramsey again and again and again and again and again. And so that's just, that, that tells me how popular he is. For th almost 30 years, Ramsey has dedicated his life to teaching basic Christian principles of dealing with money. And I have to give him credit, probably a lot of credit for helping people, uh, people out of, uh, particularly out of debt. For $129, you can attend Financial Peace University. It's not a real university, but different uh, programs like to throw that word around today, university. But anyway, it's not a real university. But you can attend Financial Peace University and learn all of his particular ways and methods and thoughts about how to manage your money to get out of debt. Ramsey's such a huge deal uh, in, in our culture, in the Christian church. In fact, so much so that it's not only that I heard him again and again and again driving across the, the uh, country, but I, from what I've seen, uh, even liberal churches, very liberal churches, uh, embrace what, he's, what he presents. Many of them do. Because it's not really theological in the sense that it's you know, a particular view of, of Christ and the resurrection or the relation of the Old Testament and New Testament. It's not about that. It's about working with your money, the money that God has given you. So... Um, He's a, he's a very big deal. And in fact, the United Methodist Church, I was told by the pastor there that they're offering Ramsey's course, and they have some scholarships, but I don't know anything beyond that. If you're interested in taking the course over there, that's fine. Uh, we have, um, um, we, we are actually talking about, in the future, doing some sort of financial instruction in the church. Uh, we have someone in the church who is good at this stuff and uh, would love to, love to have the opportunity to teach it. Uh, this is, um, this is Ramsey's foundational verse. Um, by the way, people are in really big trouble in our culture in terms of money. I mean, it's hard as a pastor to give a message on giving when so much of the church is in debt to the degree that they don't have, that they're, they're, they're going in debt more and more and more every month. Maybe some of you are familiar with that or have experienced that. It's hard to give a sermon on giving when the people are suffering so much because of the mountains of debt that they have. So uh, that's, just, that's just a reality uh, oftentimes. Anyway, this is Ramsey's uh, foundational verse, Proverbs 22.7, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. And I wonder if that's you. Maybe that's someone in this congregation. Maybe it's several people in this congregation. Maybe that's many this, in this congregation. Maybe that's most of the people in the congregation. I have no idea. But the question is, is that you? Are you the borrower? Are you the slave of the lender? I, I uh, have preached three sermons on the book of Proverbs. Uh, last week, I preached on divine retribution. 
Um, I, I, the week before I preached, well, it actually wasn't the week before, was it? Because I was gone that Sunday and Cindy preached for me. But my second sermon was on speech and my first sermon in Proverbs was the fear of the Lord. And this, I, I've, I said that I'm going to preach four sermons on the book of Proverbs, this being the last one. Uh, don't hold me to that. I might preach one more next week, perhaps. Uh, just perhaps. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. It seems to have how, how the Lord speaks to me. Uh, but I'll tell you this. There's no bigger theme in the book of Proverbs than the theme of money and wealth. There's no bigger theme. It's, it's, that, it's, it's that important. Uh, and, and, and really, no wonder money was one of Jesus' favorite topics. I know that churches don't like it when the pastor preaches on money. In general, like throughout the country. They don't like, I know that. But nevertheless, it's one of Jesus' favorite topics. It pops up all over his ministry. So look at, look at this, Luke 12, 13. Uh, Jesus and money, Luke 12, 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, that is, they were speaking to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? That should shake us up a little bit. It's like, well, you are, you're Jesus, right? Anyway, verse 15. And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Look at that. Be on guard. Be careful. Watch it. Against all covetousness. All covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I wish I could get that message through to so many people who have acquired great, great wealth. Of course, on the other hand, I wish I could get that message across to people who don't have anything materially and who seek it with all their heart. One's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. Uh, we should know this, right? As Christians, we should know that wealth, pursuing wealth for wealth's sake is not going to give us what we need. It's just not going to do it. It cannot satisfy us. It cannot fill us. There has to be something more. And the good news is that there is something more. There's something much, much more. In fact, we're going to have communion uh, later this morning. And of course, that is part of what's more, right? The experience of Jesus Christ living here, being with the people, being with us personally and corporately. Now, at the end of Jesus' words in Luke 12, he says this, and I have to, mention, I have to go, to, go with this. Um, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And that's the thing that we pursue, right? That is it. Pursuing the kingdom, getting the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. I don't know what those money bags are. It has something to do with having more and more of God, right? With a treasure in heaven, in the, in the heavens, that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, this, is, this teaching is, is um, well, it's, it's kind of like a no-brainer, right? We know this. This is kind of like intuitive. Intuitively, we should know this. That if I really value uh, something, then my treasure is there. If I really, really value and overvalue college football, then I'm going to spend probably too much time watching college football. That's going to be my treasure, particularly when you're dealing with Stanford, which has a great defense this year, by the way. But, but uh, you know, if I really pursue that stuff, that's really my treasure, then my heart will be there. We know this intuitively. Um, uh, 
I want you to, uh, I want you to see what Jesus does not say. Jesus does not say, sell your possessions and give to the needy and go into debt. He doesn't say that, does he? The assumption is that you have something to sell. For many people in our society, they may have things, but they owe so much money that when you really look at their whole financial picture, they're in the red. They're in the red. It reminds me of um, that movie with Jimmy Stewart, the Christmas movie, you know, with the little bell and the angel. Uh, it's a wonderful life, right? And at one point in the movie, right, Mr. Potter, and I've always thought about writing an essay on Mr. Potter about maybe he's got the, got the short end of the stick. Maybe he's really a better guy than the movie portrays. Anyway, that's a whole other, it'd be really great, wouldn't it? Like a whole, write a whole movie about Mr. Potter. You know, Christy, my wife thinks I'm nuts. But anyway, so at one point, Mr. I think it's pretty sure it's Mr. Potter that says, you're worth more dead than alive, right? Well, there are people in our world, particularly in our culture, that are, have so much debt that they're actually, materially speaking, you know, in terms of commerce, in terms of commercial language, well, I mean, they're not worth anything, materially speaking, right? Jesus does not say, uh, say, you know, sell your possessions, give to the needy, and go into debt doing it. It doesn't say that. The whole point is to free one's life from the enslavement of possessions, from this enslavement of money. So that, that means that we should, we should say no to debt. Um, God wants us to, our hearts to be, in, uh, to be free and not enslaved because of the love of money. Now, I, I want you to misunderstand me. Um, this, is, this is really important to me. I'm not sit, sitting down a rule that you should never have any debt. I think there can be at times a purpose for debt. Most of us who buy a home, most of us don't have enough cash to buy a home, right? So we get into these 30-year mortgages, 15-year mortgages, whatever. So I'm not sitting down a rule not to, have any money, not to have any debt, per se. So debt's not necessarily sinful. But if you can avoid it, please do sacrifice to stay away from it. God would, God would want you to be free from those kinds of obligations. Paul at one point says, owe no one anything. That's what he says. Owe no one anything except to love one another. Maybe we don't need that really nice car. Maybe we're better off driving something else. Maybe. I don't know. I'll let, the, let God speak to you about that stuff. Okay, so that's enough about debt. That's enough. Of it. What I want to do with the uh, time remaining is to talk about wealth. Let's talk about this for a few minutes. What do you think of when you think of wealth? Well, you may think of all kinds of things. Do you think of cold, hard cash? Maybe you think that way. Do you think of the stock market, stocks and bonds? Maybe. Do you think of treasury securities? These kinds of things. Do you think about that? Um, how about, this is one of my favorite ones here, how about real estate? You think about real estate? Now this actually, every time I hear this, this always reminds me of the little, little film, the little show, Charlie Brown's Christmas. You remember what Lucy says? You remember that? Um, yeah, Lucy's always right. You remember what she says? Uh, Lucy's, uh, Lucy and Charlie Brown are having a conversation, 
And Lucy says, you know, incidentally, I know how you feel about all this Christmas business. She's talking to Charlie Brown. Getting depressed and all that, because Charlie Brown, you know, he's bummed about it, about Christmas. It happens to me every year. I never get what I really want. I always get a lot of stupid toys and, or a bicycle or clothes and something like that. What is it that you want? Charlie Brown asked her. Real estate. It's like, can you imagine a little kid? I can just imagine Justin telling me that he wants real estate for Christmas. It's like, where did he get that? Real estate. So it's pretty funny. Anyway, uh, I, I think so. Now, the word for wealth, the word for wealth in the Hebrew, oh, it didn't even come out right in the, in the PowerPoint. How is that true? Oh, well, don't worry about it. I gave you the Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew letters up there. It came out as NWH. That's not right. The PowerPoint program messed that up. Okay. Well, the word for wealth in Proverbs is hone. It's hone. All right. Uh, it is used 26 times in the Bible. Four times in Ezekiel, three times in Psalms, once in the Song of Psalms, the Song of Songs, and then 18 times in Proverbs. So wealth is pretty important in the book of Proverbs. It's a, it's a big theme here. Um, according to Carl Weber, who writes for the Theological Workbook of the Old Testament, a good source, by the way, for those who want to study the Old Testament, the basic meaning of the word hone is goods or substance in sufficient quantity to be considered riches, riches or wealth, okay? So here's, here's the idea. Here's, here's the idea, okay? Think about the living in the ancient world. Um, what good is wealth? Well, I can't run down to the Apple store and buy an iPhone, Right? Um, I can't even buy a radio. I can't buy, I mean, I can't even buy a whole set of the theological work, uh, word book of the Old Testament. can't even do that. It doesn't exist. Uh, I, can't buy, I can't buy a TV. No televisions for sale. Certainly not uh, high-definition televisions. Um, I, I can't pay for a, for a series of, of, my, of, my, of the sh television show I want to watch or whatever, whatever it would be. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, in the, in, the, in the ancient world, what are you going to buy? What are you going to buy? What, what, what is going to be, that's, what is going to be out there that really changes your life, that's really going to be enjoyable? You can't go to Disneyland. There is no Disneyland. So what does this idea of wealth mean? What does it really mean? Well, the idea here really is, is that it makes life easy. Makes life easy. Okay, we're going to get into the positive uses of wealth. Okay, that's it. Um, that's the idea behind, behind wealth. It's associated with power because if I have a lot of wealth, I can control you. I can enter into certain kinds of relationships with you. I can be, um, you can be my client and you can do something for me and then you owe me certain services for a long, long time. Uh, it can be used that way. But wealth is basically associated with making life easy. Now, in Proverbs, it's used both positively and negatively. So let's look at the positive uses of, of this word hone and wealth. Okay, so Proverbs 3 9. Honor the Lord with your hone, your wealth, and with the first fruits of all your produce. Okay? So wealth is, from a biblical point of view, our wealth, our, our money is to be used to honor God. That's what it's for. Um, 
Here's another one. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. Now, this is Proverbs 8.18. And, and, and in this passage, this is uh, lady wisdom or woman wisdom who is speaking and saying, hey, you know, please come to me. Come into my world and pursue me. Pursue wisdom. And if you pursue me, the very cause and effect kind of thing, uh, uh, based upon the way Proverbs works, we talked about that last week in the Sermon on Divine Retribution, but, but if you do these things, you think the right way, if you gain wisdom, if you're teachable and gain wisdom, then that will result in your having wealth and this kind of thing. So that's a very positive way in which it's used. Now here's another one. Okay, Whoever is slothful will not roast his game. In other words, in this culture, people go out and they, you know, there's a little bit of hunting going on here. Proverbs 12, 27. Whoever slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. And I underline the word precious there because the idea there in the, in the Hebrew, again, is this idea of the value. It has value. Wealth has value. It's not to be ignored. It's to be appreciated and so forth. So wealth has value. So this is a ways in which, which wealth is used very positively. When we get into, um, when, when we, um, well, I could go on and on about wealth. There's a big study that you could do on wealth, okay? I just gave you three verses. But here's what I want you to see, and this is really the main point in my entire sermon, right here. This is the main point. Wrote, the, wrote this down, put it up here on the screen. It's extremely important to see that the book of Proverbs puts very distinct limits around the idea of wealth. Wealth has value, like we just saw. Wealth has value. It's precious in a sense. Wealth has value but wealth has relative value. Relative value. If you, if, you, if, you don't, if you don't remember anything else in this sermon, remember that right there. Wealth has relative value. Um, what, I, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that, well, it's, it can do a certain amount of good for us, but nothing compared to pursuing God himself. Nothing compared to pursuing his wisdom. It has such tiny value in comparison to or in contrast to the wealth that we have in God. It's, it's not even worth comparing. Remember when Paul says, you know, the suffering of this world is not even compare, worth comparing with the, with the glory that is to be revealed to us in Romans chapter 8. Remember he says that? Well, here is like what I'm trying to tell you. The material possessions, the wealth in this world is not worth comparing to the wealth that we have in Jesus Christ. Not even worth comparing. Don't spend your life pursuing money. Spend your life pursuing Jesus Christ. Okay? Furthermore, furthermore, Material wealth is to be understood as inherently dangerous. It is dangerous stuff. I've seen it change people's hearts. Proverbs 11.4, riches, the word home there, wealth, do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. So what's the day of wrath there? Well, the day of wrath is the coming judgment of God, right? When Jesus returns, and we all look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ, when Jesus returns, your money is not going to do you any good. None. It will do no good. In fact, it might even harm you because it's, you've, 
because it's changed you as a person. It's ruined your heart. Notice he says, notice he says righteousness delivers, delivers from death. Character, God's character, the goodness of God in our hearts, being a righteous, good person who loves others, loves God and loves others, that will deliver from what? Final destruction. That's the idea, right? So wealth is actually, material wealth, actually, in a sense, it's inherently dangerous. And, of course, you know what Jesus says about it, right? That it's, you know, it's deceptive. Decept- riches are deceptive because they, they, they make all these promises. It's gonna be, your life is going to be so good, so good, so good. In reality, it messes you all up. Um, please pray for my nephew, by the way. This is more of a Wednesday night prayer thing, but please pray for my nephew because I was able to, I went with my brother on Friday. This is not in the sermon. I'm just giving it to you. Um, I went with my brother on Friday to a, it wasn't a hearing, it was actually, a, it was actually an appellate course, a court uh, situation on, up in Olympia, and uh, I don't want to give you the details of that stuff, but I had a long conversation with my nephew who has lived under, I mean, my brother's made a lot of money, okay? I mean, he just has. He's a neurosurgeon. But what my nephew Patrick kept saying was, he says, man, I don't know really what good that's done us because what I always wanted was for my dad to be around. You see? I mean, my dad was always pursuing his work. I don't really think he was pursuing money so much, but he was pursuing his work so much that he, I love my brother, but his, his, his sons are kind of like, man, what I really value is for my dad to be with me. I think we get that, don't we? And so I was like trying to begin to share the gospel with my nephew. And I love him dearly. But he needs an understanding of what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ. He needs that. It's kind of funny. You know, we podcast my sermons. Apparently, you're probably going to listen to this. So, Patrick, if you hear this, I love you. I love your dad. We're Delishaz, and it's going to be okay. But you've but you got to pursue Jesus Christ because he's calling your name. He's calling your name. He's calling your dad's name, too. So, okay, enough about that. Whew, got into it. Okay, that's very personal, isn't it? I can be personal, right? Yeah, okay. All right, so I did that. All right, uh, look at this one. Look at this one. Proverbs thirteen seven. One pretends to be rich. I love this one. I love this. One pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Uh, how many people are out there pretending to be rich. A lot of them. Last night I was watching Oregon play, uh, play Auburn, and what they do, that, I was, I have to tell you this, and who did they focus on? Like, they had to show these certain people in the stadium, right? They didn't show a per person. They showed Tim Cook, who's, who's the CEO of Apple, right? Because, hey, he's worth, notice, no, he's worth noticing because he's, he's an Auburn grad, and he's worth noticing. And then, of course, they, they showed Phil Knight, who graduated from the University of Oregon, you know? These people with money and power, they're the ones we got to notice. i got to tell you right now, I actually don't know their hearts and so forth, but in all likelihood, they're pretenders. Because people with great material wealth pretend to be wealthy, but they have nothing. Another pretends to be poor, 
yet has great wealth, I tell you what, I hope you pretend to be poor. Because if you follow Jesus Christ, then in a sense you will sell all your possessions and give all to the poor and have eternal life in Jesus, right? That, that's a whole other sermon. But I hope that you pretend to be poor, to be humble. Now, that's a, that's a whole sermon on itself, but I love this particular passage, so forth, okay? So, wealth has relative value. I hope that you see what Proverbs is doing. Proverbs is trying to teach us that we are not to set our hearts on material gains, but to set our hearts on spiritual gains. And that's the question this morning. Are you seeking Jesus Christ? Um, let, let, let's, 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 let's go on to this. Let's go on to this, okay? Obviously, I'm, this sermon is coming to the whole uh, discipline of giving and so forth, which is always tough for people. But giving is just being generous. So I wrote this down. Giving, being generous, reminds us that wealth and money in general has relative value. That's all it has. Has relative value. It it doesn't ha- it has limited value. It doesn't. It will never satisfy you. And it is nothing compared to the value that we have in Jesus Christ. The wealth that we have in Jesus Christ. So be generous. Um, I think that um, being generous is important. I think that giving is important. I think that we need to do that. Because when we give to the church, we're saying to God that you are what really matters in life. We're taking action. And um, I don't think that any of us can do this in a way that's pleasing to God without our hearts being right. Um, Sometimes people give and they're like so reluctant, they don't want to give, but they feel like they have to and so forth. I'm not sure what to do with that. I'm going to tell you to give anyway, but pray that God would set your heart right so that when you give, you could rejoice in it. God loves a cheerful giver. Um, this sermon could go on and on. I've got a lot more to talk about. Maybe what I'll do is, is uh, keep this for next week. I, 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 just, I just think that, that you know Jesus came who had the most, right? Jesus had the glory of God in heaven, and he comes to us as a child because he understood, God understands that the material things in the end don't really make any difference. Don't go into debt. Stay away from it. If you need the course on, on, on giving that, or on, from Dave Ramsey, that's fine. I've got to say this one last thing before I, before I close this message. And you're probably thinking, well, it's warm in here and I want the pastor to close this message. But let me say one critique on Dave Ramsey because I think it's important. Dave Ramsey, I'm sure, is the greatest guy in the world. I'm sure he's wonderful. I'm sure he loves Jesus and so forth. I'm not being criticism of him, him as a person. I think he has a lot to give to people. But I will say this, and this, I guess this is a criticism. He celebrates wealthy people too much. He does. You know, when you get out of, you're listening to the program and someone's getting, gets out of debt, and especially if someone acquires a lot of wealth, he puts on the music, you know, whatever, the cheers, and they go, they, it's a big thing, like, whoa, way to go, you're so great, well, fabulous, whatever. You know what I want to ask? So tell me, what, what, are you, what are you doing with your wealth? Is your heart tied to it? 
to the degree that now you're not generous. I want to know what people are doing with their wealth. Are you supporting a child in Africa, in Rwanda, right? right? Are, you, are you taking part in using the things that you have to make a difference for Jesus Christ? I can go on and on about that too. Remember Jesus said to make friends with your wealth, with your money. Make friends with your money. And what he means by that is give your money away to them. Help them out. Help them. Don't, don't try to... Um, it's not saying to let the people take advantage of us, but he is saying that um, use your money wisely for the kingdom. So we're going to have, we're gonna have a, a time of, of giving. We're going to have an offering. And I'm going to close this sermon by those who are going to take the offering. Would you please come forward? And then we're gonna, afterwards we're going to have communion. Um, I have a lot more I can say. I decide not to do that. So just remember that money has what relative value and you will do well. Uh, Father, um, I'm so thankful that you have given us resources, but at the same time, Lord, may those resources never enslave us. May they be used to free us and to help others and to help, help your church come alive and be the things that you've called us to. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to earth and you taught again and again and again and again on money. Uh, that's because you know that we have an issue with it, that it's hard for us not to hold on to it, keep it to ourselves. Lord, I pray that we would free up, that you would free up our hearts. I pray, Lord, also that you would free those in our congregation from debt. Um, I just ask, Lord, you'd give us great wisdom in this area of life, because if we can get this area of life right, then our lives can really flower, really bloom, that's what we want, Lord. We want our lives to bloom. So I just ask that you would bless this, this uh, offering and uh, that we would just give in Jesus' name and pray these things in his name always. Amen. Amen. Talk about generosity. When we talk about generosity, there's one who was generous beyond anything we can even fathom. I, we're going to spend eternity thinking about how generous, generous God is to send his son for us. He didn't have to do that. But he loves you. He loves you. He came for you. He's the generous one. And of course, he came as a poor man. I don't think we would have been very impressed with Jesus when we looked with, at him with our eyes. 
when he was in his ministry, when he was 30-some years old. I don't think we'd be that impressed by looking at him with our eyes. When we heard his mouth, heard what he said, I think we'd go, whoa, what's going on here? But I don't think we'd be that impressed, impressed with him because he came as a very poor man to us. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. He gave it all. Every bit of it. And you know what? That's all God requires of you. That you would give it all. Don't think that he's asking for a little bit. Don't think that he's asking you to think of church in this compartment of life and then the rest of your life you got for yourself. No, he, could, he, he demands it all. All of it. Demands who you are. Because Jesus came and gave it all. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for being generous. We thank you for coming in poor man's clothes and dying a criminal's death so that we could become rich. Because the only riches that matter are riches in Jesus Christ. There's really nothing else. Material wealth is infinitesimal compared to being wealthy in you. So I ask, Lord, that we would be people of the word and people of the living word, the people of Jesus Christ. Come and bless this. Be upon this bread and upon this cup. And do in these dear friends of mine whatever you would for your sake and for their sake. Amen.